The 2023 season has come to a merciful end for the New York Mets. We'll talk about it on today's edition of Locked On Mets. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you uh, amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. The season's over. We'll be talking about it throughout the show today in the first segment. I'll break down what we saw over the weekend last series recap of 2023 in the second segment. Just want to go through the journey the Mets went on this year, and then the final segment. I'll touch on the Buck Showalter decision a little bit more, and also just look at what I'm expecting to hear from David Stearns in his introductory press conference on Monday. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. Also, find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code LockedMLB for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Well, the season is over, and I think that should be a sign for celebration when it comes to the New York Mets because while they're not going to be participating in playoff baseball, at least we can just finally put an end to what was a torturous season for Mets fans. To go from the expectations to where things ended up, It's been frustrating to say the absolute least, and we will get to that frustration a bit in the next segment. But what I wanted to do before we do is just recap the last little bit of baseball because guess what? As much as it's exciting to think about the future and it is great to no longer have to think about the present when it comes to 2023 New York Mets baseball, this is our last chance to recap actual baseball being played for some time. So there was some things to like about what the Mets did this weekend. First one is Tyler McGill on Saturday in a doubleheader, and he pitched unbelievable. Seven and a third, allowed just one run, seven strikeouts, lowered his ERA in the season down to 4-7-0, which if you told me all the way back on opening day that Tyler McGill would finish with a 4-7-0 ERA, I don't know if I would have called that ridiculous. I think I'd be like, that was probably about right, and how he got there was very frustrating at times, certainly, but... Overall, I think he has proven, if nothing else, that he is a good depth arm who can give you innings. And if he can ever have a peak season like the one that you know Trevor Williams had last year for the Mets in 2022, you know he could be very valuable in one of these years. Now I could see him having that type of a season where you know he's maybe a little bit fortunate, but overall, he's a guy that if he pitches the contact a little bit more, doesn't get in his own way with walks he can have some value on this 40-man roster. Now, Francisco Alvarez had a monster game, too, uh, in that doubleheader. He hit two home runs, drove in six. One of those home runs was a grand slam. Finishes the year with 25 home runs, and we'll be discussing Alvarez at length throughout the offseason as he was one of the biggest bright spots of the Mets season. Like, clearly, I mean, if I had to pinpoint three players to me that were the best parts of the season for the Mets. It was 
Number one, Francisco Lindor continuing to show that he's worth that investment. It was number two, the incredible ascension of Kodai Senga going from a guy that came in as your number three, that pitched like an ace. And then it was Francisco Alvarez's breakout as a rookie as well. To clearly be the answer at catcher and to have a season where he had 25 home runs at his age, considering the circumstances, that was awesome. Speaking of Lindor, he homered in that game as well, and the Mets scored 11 runs. Sunday, Jose Budo uh, pitched, and he gave up two runs over six innings pitched, a strong close to his season, 364 ERA over 42 innings. He's a guy that you put right into that Tyler McGill bucket, uh, the same one that includes Joey Lucchese and maybe even David Peterson as guys that you go into next season, you say if they're competing for the fifth starter job, you know, you could do a lot worse. So Budo really was strong down the stretch. The bullpen blew that game pretty big. I mean, when Budo left, the Mets were trailing two to one, but it ends up being a nine to one loss to close the Mets season, which is fitting, honestly, based on how the year went. Denny Reyes and Anthony K got knocked around for seven earned runs, but the Mets finished their season 74 and 87. They have the seventh best lottery odds. 5.5% chance that they win the lottery. But just to let you know that the winning, or not the winning, geez, the winning, that the losing was not, you know, worthless. When it comes to the draft, I just want to note that there is a website called MLB Tankathon, and it breaks down the odds. So what you have to understand is they have a 5.5% chance to win the first lottery selection. Then if one of those teams with a lot of, you know, lottery balls, so to speak, are in the mix, I don't think it's actually lottery balls. I think it's actually number sequences, but that's a story for another day. Regardless, let's just say the athletics get the first overall pick. Well, you pull their 16 and a half percent out and then everyone else's odds go up. So with that said, I just did a simulation of 10 lotteries and here's what I found. The Mets went my first lottery pick. They were the second in the draft. Then it was ninth. Then it was eighth. Then it was 10th. Then it was seventh. Then it was fifth. Then it was sixth. Then it was third. Then it was ninth. Then it was eighth. The numbers you have to care about in there is second, fifth, sixth, and third, because anything beyond the top six picks in this draft, their pick will get knocked down 10 slots. But in the lottery simulation, four out of the 10 times, the Mets ended up with a top six pick, which means they would keep a top six pick. So, Let's just say that that 5.5% odds of winning the lottery is actually a 40% chance that they can keep their pick in the top six. That would be massive for the Mets. Now, that's a quick simulation. doesn't mean everything. But the point is, all of the losing did put them in a position where they have a chance if the baseball gods smile on them when they get to the winter meetings and they make that selection that maybe their pick doesn't get knocked down. But that's more part of our conversation in the next segment. The bottom line is this season's over and you turn the page to, to a new era of Mets baseball, hopefully. Buck Showalter was let go and I did a full podcast on that. For those of you who maybe just tuned in to the newest episode of your drive to work and you're wondering why hasn't Ryan discussed the fact that the manager's not going to be here. You can go through on YouTube or in your podcast library and you'll see a full episode devoted to the decision on Buck Showalter. This Mets season is one that we wish to forget, but will probably be unforgettable because of expectations 
and where they ended up. To me, at least the net result of it all is, in my opinion, the type of a year that changes the course of this franchise that I hope is for the better. And I really do leave this season with an optimistic viewpoint on where things are going into the future. And that's what we're going to discuss next. Before we do, though, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Have you ever been in a situation where you want to go to the game, but you know, fine tickets are so stressful that you just decide not to go. You just want to stay home. Game Time is a fast and easy way where you can buy tickets for all the sports, music, and comedy theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. So you can stop stressing over the tickets, start getting hyped for all the fun you're going to have at the game. Yes, the baseball season is over, but football is in mid-swing. Basketball is around the corner. And again, they got comedy and theater as well. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. You find tickets in the same section of row for less. Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You can get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps, you're all set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag tickets without the stress with Game Time by downloading the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKDOWNMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code LOCKDOWNMLB for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. The other day, I was scrolling through my photo library over the past year. In my personal life, it's been a really good year for me. Got married. Uh, I've had a, a lot of great trips that I went on, good time with the family. All has been well. And I was rejoicing through those memories. And I stumbled upon a video. It was me and my dad in the parking garage at Lone Depot Park after an opening day victory for the Mets beat the Marlins. We were fired up and I'm watching this video and I'm trying to put my brain back into where it was then and the mindset I have for watching that and how the <laughs> naive Ryan from you know five months ago, six months ago, regardless, how I was viewing the Mets in that lens, the lens of the guy that just watched the 101 win season, who just saw this off season where the Mets were very aggressive and really imagined a great year. Imagine a Mets team that could compete with the Braves, which now in retrospect is absolutely laughable. And how we got there from point A to point B to where I'm recording this podcast, it's been a journey <laughs> and it's been one of uh, a lot of realization for uh, not only Mets fans that had to watch this team just free fall, but a realization for this organization about their realistic timeline, not the we're trying to win every season. We're going for the World Series. It's it's go further broke. This is it. Steve Cohen's all in all the time to now a franchise that I believe has a little bit of a clear timeline, but you look at the journey, right? That optimism I had in that parking garage with my dad, that team went 14 and seven in their first 21 games. So they did not do anything to quell that optimism early. Then they go on a stretch where they went six and 16 over a 22 game span. 
Not good. So now you're sitting at 20 and 23 and thinking, oh, man, this team's bad. What's going on? Or is it just one bad stretch? When are they going to pull themselves out of it? They're too talented. They go 9-4 and four to close out May and win the first game in June. So a 10-4 and four stretch, that bumps them right back up. They're over 500 again. You're feeling good. And then they never get over 500 again. Okay, they go on a seven-game losing streak. They end up losing 12 of their last 16 games in the month of June altogether. It's a 7-19 and 19 month. They try to pull themselves out of that hole in July. They went 14-9, and nine, but when they made the trade where they sent David Robertson to the Miami Marlins, who just broke a two-decade-long playoff drought, and yes, I am ignoring the 2020 season when I say that, the Mets were 40-54 and 54 when they made that trade for sending David Robertson to the Marlins. Now, they won that night to go to 49-54, and they won more games in that series uh, against the Nationals, but that is besides the point. They picked a direction at the deadline. And now as we all watch playoff baseball happen, and there's three teams for the National League East that are represented, the Braves, the number one seed, the Phillies, the number one wild card, and the Marlins, who ended up with the second wild card spot, and they're playing against the Phillies. And now you're going to be watching NL East teams go up against each other for the next two rounds as the winner of the Phillies-Marlins will take on the Braves. So you're sitting here, and you're thinking – Back to that deadline. And you can realize the New York Mets made the absolute right decision. Is there an off chance that the Mets with Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander and Mark Canna and Tommy Pham could have possibly pulled off a magical run where they would have grabbed one of those spots from the Marlins or the Diamondbacks and eked their way into the playoffs? Maybe. Was this Mets team ever going to beat that curly? Phillies team in a three-game series and then go on to beat the Braves and then go on to beat, I don't know, the Dodgers and then go on to beat, who knows, any of those teams in the American League of the World Series? Not a chance. And instead, you look at teams like the Padres, the Cubs, the Angels, the Yankees, teams that either went all in at the deadline or didn't do anything. None of them made the playoffs. And think about where the Padres are right now. If they had just sold and they traded Josh Hader and Blake Snell, their farm system would be in a way better place. If the Cubs cashed in Cody Bellinger, their franchise would be in a way better place. If the Yankees traded Gliber Torres and some bullpen pieces, their franchise would have been in a better place. And if the Angels traded Shohei Otani before he got hurt, their franchise would be in a better place. But the Mets did that. And they ended up with a direction after the trade deadline, because now we know, okay, 2023 wasn't the match year. 2024 might not be either. Although I still think they'll field a competitive team, but 2025, 2026, 2027, when the great farm system that they just built overnight surfaces, the New York Mets should be a team that really can be reckoned with. And, now I'm excited as we transition into off-season coverage and David Stearns, the new president of baseball operations, is going to lead the team into the future and meet with the media uh, at 12 o'clock on uh, Monday. I'm excited to talk about where this team's going. And I'm excited to turn the page because this season has been extremely frustrating. But to me, 
after years of Cohen pushing all the chips in, even though I still think in some respects he will, it's not we're signing 40-year-old aces anymore. It's, all right, we got a good farm system. How do you create a team that's a sustainable winner? Not necessarily a team that's a low-budget winner, but no, a team that has talent that can you know, foster a winning tradition year over year. And that's where the Mets have to get to. And I'm excited to talk about the next steps in that. And also a little bit more on the Buck shoulder situation, because I have yet to discuss Steve Cohen's comments on Buck. So I want to go through that and, and uh, what I'm expecting or hoping to hear from David Stearns. We'll get to all of that in the next segment. Before we do another word from our sponsors. David Stearns will be meeting with the media at 12 o'clock on Monday. And if you want my inside thoughts on everything going on during that presser, join our subtext. The link is in the description of the episode. And this is a way where you will receive text from me. You can also send text to me. So if you have any questions about the show or about the Mets, anything like that, I will answer those subtexts. And also, again, you will get you know inside access to the show uh, in, in circumstances like this where David Stearns is speaking to the media or you know anything that I'm doing throughout the offseason. So if we're going to do a podcast talking about Juan Soto coming to the Mets, you might get some of my research for the podcast before it airs. As I'm going through my notes, I might send some of those texts out. So check it out. It's a two-week free trial. It's been a lot of fun so far. Now, getting back to Buck Walter. For those of you, again, I, I did – record a full episode on this, but at the time I never saw Steve Cohen's comment. So the first thing we saw was a tweet, I believe from Cohen, where he said, we let Buck know we'll be parting ways. We will begin the search for a new manager immediately, which is funny because they let him step down, but this is just further proof that they fired him. Okay. We can call it what it is. Buck Showalter would have loved to be back. The Mets let him know that was not going to be an opportunity, but Hey, you can step down. And I guess, you know, keep some pride and dignity in it, but it, it is what it is. And I, I did appreciate Cohen's comments to the meeting after. He said it became clear once Stir was hired as the president of baseball operations that Showalter would be let go. He added that this is one of the topics that was discussed in those meetings where they're interviewing Stearns and they offered him the job and, you know, basically explain that when you bring in a president of baseball operations, it's, you know, the uh, opportunity you should give them to bring in their own people and, Part of that is the front office, and part of that is the manager. And that's why we also saw them let go of a ton of people in the front office prior to the announcement that Stearns was hired. So this has been a process, and that's what you want. And the fact that this isn't Steve Cohen and Sandy Alderson leading this managerial search, it's David Stearns. That is a a really good sign um, that this franchise is in capable hands. And that's the thing to me that you come out of this season with, it's not only the improved farm system. It's the improved farm system paired with the hiring of what I believe is the right executive to lead the charge. And and when you have David Stearns in place, and now Billy Eppler becomes his number two, I believe the Mets have a front office that can rival anything else in the game. And if you look at the teams that have been successful, look at the teams that are in October right now. 
all of them, it comes down to the front office for the most part, right? Baltimore Orioles. How did they get to this point? Mike Elias is a great GM. They have built, you know, the long way through a rebuild. They found the right prospects. They developed them, got them to the majors, and now they hit the ground running, right? And suddenly they have a window. You look at the Dodgers and the Astros, perennial contenders. The Braves also should be included in that conversation. Teams that have just found that success, and it starts from the top down. The Phillies, the Marlins, Dave Dombrowski. I did a show about this last week. I wrote a whole article on it, um, you know, how the, the Phillies were able to get that edge on the Mets. Maybe it was two weeks ago, but yes. Dave Dombrowski did a great job with the little moves he made, signing Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos that have panned out. Um, you know, the, the Phillies making the right move on Bryce Harper, which was before Dombrowski, but and Zach Wheeler, all those, those things that they've done to open a window and it worked. Kim Ang with the Marlins at the deadline, finding the undervalued assets that she could trade for with her farm system at the state that it was in to be able to get Josh Bell and Jake Berger, who have just helped keep that offense afloat and got them just enough wins to make it into October. We can go on and on about it, but it starts with the front office. And the Mets have that now. And they have quality players on the roster, and they have a farm system that I think can compete. And I'm very anxious to hear what Stern says. And just see how he handles the media, one. But to see what he outlines as the goals moving forward. He's going to get questions on Pete Alonso. What's his response on that? He's going to get questions on what he's looking for in a manager. And he might get questions flat out about Craig Council, which he won't be able to answer as Council's managing the Brewers in the playoffs. Speaking of another team that is in the playoffs because of a front office, the one that David Stearns built from the ground up as far as that organization, the farm system, everything. They're in the playoffs because he was the one who set them up for that success. But again, he's going to get some questions on Council, his manager. And I think now, just like there was a the worst kept secret that Stearns was going to be the president, it's starting to feel like that with Council. The Council's going to become the manager of the Mets as the top free agent manager on the board who would probably love to go manage for David Stearns and work with him again. And also, by the way, would love to do it on a bloated salary. <laughs> but that's going to be a question that he's going to have to answer. And then just his timeline. Is David Stearns going to say, hey, we're not going to go for in 2024? Is he going to say, hey, we have the pieces in place to try to win now? It's going to be fascinating. So again, I want all of you to you know make sure you're following along to my subtext if you can. Um, and tune into tomorrow's show where I'll be breaking down all of this. I'll probably write a full article for just baseball.com on you know my five big takeaways from this as well. Um, so that's what you have to look forward to. Now, as far as your locked on Mets content. Before we close the show today, to me, it's always a, a big sort of torn, turning point when you get to the end of a season. Last year ended up in a wild card round. This time it's just like the ending that I had to go through in, uh, hosting this show in 2020. And 2021, I think the best ending I've gotten is the 2019 season when the Mets came up just short of making the playoffs, but it, it felt like there was something to build on. And Pete Alonso broke the rookie home run record and the Mets won in crazy walk-off fashion with Dom Smith against the Braves. That was probably the best ending I've had. And that was the first season that I hosted this show. 
to me, this has been a really strange year. Okay. And, you know, personally to have gone through, you know, what I have as far as, you know, becoming a husband and all that stuff. I had a lot of doubts when I, not about the marriage, geez. <laughs> I had a lot of doubts when I'm on my honeymoon and I'm watching the Mets play the Tigers and get swept. And I'm thinking, what's this season going to mean for me? <laughs> and this career that I've, you know, tried to, to form, you know, covering baseball. And, and I sincerely want to thank each and every one of the fans that have tuned in because the numbers aren't up. Too much compared to last year, but they are up. And last year was a 101-win team. And the fact that as much, if not more, of you tuned in to the content I was putting out for a season that has been this much of a disaster, it's something that I am eternally grateful for, that you guys have chosen this show with something that you're as passionate about as I am passionate about doing it. And even when the Mets suck, and they certainly sucked this year, that you still think it's worth your time to you know, tune in on your drive to work or when you're walking your dog, however you make Locked On Mets part of your daily routine. So for those of you who are my everydayers, I, I sincerely am just grateful. And I always have to, of course, thank the Locked On Podcast Network for keeping me in this seat. Um, and I always had to thank my dad. Because again, as I've said many a time for the longtime listeners who've been tuning in, I wouldn't be in this position if not for him making me a Mets fan. And uh, it's still awesome that I get to do a show for my dad that other people uh, like to listen to as well. So uh, thank you all. And uh, looking forward to now getting right back on this horse, breaking down David Stern's press conference and saying goodbye to the 2023 season. Look ahead to 2024. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets. And let's stay at this thing. Let's go, Mets.